Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsies Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to put my pamps. I am your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsies Nook, everybody say love. Who's not looking for a kinky companion this time of year? This week, I sit down with one middle who's just looking for another middle. Plus, have you ever considered pet adoption? And I'm not talking about animals. This week in Newsies News, are you ready for Valentine's Day? I asked you on Twitter what would make a good ABDL kink-themed Valentine's Day gift or date. Here are some of your answers. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I did pushies in my diaper for you. A heart-shaped box of laxative chocolates. That's a good one. A folded diaper and a card that says you fill my heart with love as much as you fill your diapers. A forced diaper and an embarrassing photo shoot. A dinner date with a little diaper peakage and then a movie with a visible pacifier. Building a bear together. Finger painting a card and a trip to a candy store. Another good idea would that would look super cute would be dressing up like Cupid with a diaper and wings and handing out chocolates. These were all so good. So my question to you is, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? This week in Newsies Nook, do you identify as a middle? Have you met others that identify as middles? Ace Daddy reached out to me on Twitter saying that he can't find a lot of middles like him. Ace is an asexual middle and a daddy that feels different from most other age players, especially since his main interest isn't diapers. I sat down with Ace to talk about his flavor of middle. There aren't that many middles out there, at least not that identify as that as their primary kind of interest in age play. So I'm very, I, what we, we use the term wholesome, which is somewhat new to me, but it, you might see that if you're looking on people's Twitter bios. Um, and wholesome is a term that kind of describes uh, the leave it to beaver kind of concept of, of a very old school family um, mm -hmm. with traditional kind of values and um not a lot of focus on sex. Like, I don't know if you remember from old sitcoms from like that era, they often would depict the parents as having like separate beds and stuff. And it's the weirdest right. thing, but it was this time when everyone just pretended like sex doesn't exist, you know, when you're making a movie or a, a show or something like we can't possibly, you know, uh, refer to that in this, you know, in this other, uh, in entertainment purposes. So, um, so yeah, so wholesome play. So I don't really get into bondage or the more, classical kind of impact play um spaces because to me it's just not wholesome like it's it's not what um i see as um as as a quality dad middle or or got dad it. regressor interaction. you want more of a wholesome scene versus like a hardcore deep you got it yeah scene. yeah and got that's it. something that I, like as somebody that's somewhat new to the abdl world uh -huh. um like i just started going i guess in it was right before the pandemic, which was a terrible time to start doing anything. <laughs> um, but I started going to events and I've now I've been to some um, some of the stuff ABU does at CLAW and other, you know, they have something in ML as well. But I, one of the things I find is when they when they add an impact play space, um, they go like hardcore BDSM. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like that, 
you know, so your they, form of spanking is way kinder than obedience. It's much different for me. Um, I really like the accountability piece of it. So if I'm in trouble, I feel a little bit of like anxiety, you know, how like when, when like you've done something, there's a little bit of guilt, but also a little bit of like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And now mm -hmm. like now I'm going to get scolded or, you know, there's going to be consequences and you're kind of nervous. And um, I find that to be a huge um, turn on. Um, and so it, I, it, it just is like I like, you know, everyone has things that turn them on. Right. And And I mean, we're in this kink space and whether it's diapers or. Like we all have our, our thing, right? So yeah, I'm very turned on by the, um, what happens prior to a spanking. So being lectured, being, you know, told that like, you know, I told you this would, this would happen if you, you know, you did this again or whatever, like, so all of the verbal stuff gets in my head and that makes me quite aroused, which is why I like spanking because I want the experience of, of, so you like feeling. everything up to the point of spanking? I like everything up to. And then um, the the actual like impact or the, the pain of a spanking, uh -huh. um, I do enjoy it. I do like the sensation. Um, I've, I have quite a bit of experience, so I can take quite a bit. And um, I would say I, my preference is more in the mid range of intensity, but I mean, if the guy is cute, I can take a lot. So <laughs> anyone at Capcom, I mean, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it, it's like the pain for me is not the turn on. I like it. It's I like everything it. up to it. It's everything up to it. And it's the fact that the person cares enough about me to do it. Um, and you only and like spanking when you're the one being spanked. Uh, no, I like it both ways. You like it both ways. You like <laughs> so, the situation up until the spanking both ways. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the sessions I do, there's a lot of um, verbal component um, to them. And I want to try to get into the the sub's head as far as like getting them thinking about mm -hmm. what's about to happen to them, getting them excited about it. Um, because I think for a lot of people, that's, that's where they can really get turned on. And then if they're, if they're turned on by it, it's easier to take the pain. And, and you also really appreciate like what the person has, what the, the Dom or the daddy or whatever has done for you, because they've helped you have this like really exciting experience and building up to like, this is going to happen to you. And, you know, they're, they're reaching and undoing the button on your pants and the zipper's coming down and, you know, your pants are coming down and it's just like this, it's a very, um exciting experience um so so that is the i would say like in my play in 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 terms of like my sex life i guess um that's the intimacy i i think which which probably most people would hear that and be like you're really weird <laughs> but it is what it is i mean that to me is like the best intimacy i i i ever have um either as a daddy or as a boy um an adult boy um, and, uh, that's kind of, yeah, I guess we, you were asking earlier about, is this sexual? And I'm like, well, I guess it is right. Cause it, but it's, I don't view it as sexual in terms of like vanilla sex or right. wanting to see, you know, an erection or something. And, and I mean, some guys you do like get all erection. the things that happen before it actually happens. Yeah. And it's the, it's the experience of, um, 
you know, the, the feeling of it, uh, the mental component of it, but it definitely is a turn on for me. And it's a turn on for the guys that I, that I play with. So are you like Ace? Ace will be at Capcom this year and I have posted his socials in the show notes. Also, Ace is in the process of creating a podcast for middles called Middle Life Crisis. And if you're looking for people also into spanking, Ace has an app called WAPS. This week in Newsy's Nook, adopting a pet is a very fun experience, especially if you're looking for companionship. So when I heard a group in LA is going to host a human pet adoption event, I needed to learn more. SoCal Creatures will be hosting an adoption day in the LA area on February 11th. I sit down with the organizers Vixen and Wiley Wolf to talk about pet play and what people can expect at this very unique event. So kind of basically what pet play is, is it's just sort of, I mean, it's a form of role play at its core, right? Which is where one participant takes on the role of an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be, it, it's important to know that it can be done solo. So like, for instance, you could decide that you wanted to role play as a puppy alone in your room with some toys and a little kennel or a dog bed and like cuddle up and like kind of just sort of feel into that kind of vulnerable animalistic space. Like you can do that on your own. Uh, The most typical way that you would see it, if for instance, you just like Googled pet play is you would see one person taking on the role of a pet and one person taking on the role of sort of like the human counterpart. So like the owner or trainer or handler of that pet. So think about like a dog and their owner, right? Walking down the street, like, right. Like that kind of vibe or hanging or, you know, hanging out or whatever. Um, And then of course, you know, you can also have situations where there's multiple people who are role-playing as animals together and playing and stuff like that. So that's sort of what it is. If you have no idea what's going on, um, And what you'll see is the people who are taking on the role of the animal, they're typically wanting to take on all of the behaviors, all of the mannerisms, all of the physicalities of that particular animal. Um, Most of the time you see it on sort of all fours, so hands and knees, um, but that isn't always the case. So you can see like pets who are on two legs walking around, perhaps with their gear on, whatever. Um, but you'll typically see it on like all fours. And so you'll see pets sort of learning the different vocalizations of different animals, learning different positions, very similar to sort of what you would see if you looked up kind of like BDSM, like slave positions, but think a bit like instead of like slave positions or like BDSM positions or like kneeling or anything like that, it's like the kinds of positions that you would teach an animal to do, right? So sitting is going to look a little bit different uh, and so on and so forth. Right. And it's also all about oftentimes the bond that that pet has with their owner or their human counterpart. Uh, and we can go way more into depth of the different sort of intricacies that that can look like, but that's kind of a starting point. So for those uninitiated puppy play, right. Wearing a pup hood and all that is puppy play under the umbrella of pet play. Yes. Um, so there's sort of like a, an overarching big umbrella. Let's think of it like three umbrellas, I guess. Okay. The biggest umbrella 
is sort of animal role play. Uh, and that is really any role play that has to do with somebody role playing as an animal. And the reason that I make that distinction is that some people may not necessarily identify as a pet. So they might be sort of like a feral wolf who doesn't want to do anything pet like. And so I, that can kind of be sort of a distinction. But let's think about animal role play as the biggest umbrella, the umbrella under that being pet play. So role one person role playing as a pet and the other person role playing as the person who has that pet or pets playing together, that kind of thing. And then under pet play, we have different kind of subsets of that. So puppy play, kitten play, fox play, and it goes on and on and on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what I'm getting is you have your general animal play. Mm -hmm. And then under that is I would call like the power dynamic customization so will if you were if you're thinking about this as like as it was customizing down the umbrella there's animal pet play which is like your power dynamic of handler and pet and then underneath that is like flavors flavors of puppy flavors of kitten flavors of hyena did i get it oh, right yeah. yeah absolutely um i think too it can kind of like the pet play versus sort of not pet is sort of like a little bit of a how does that person self-identify you know, um, like, would you consider yourself a pet type animal or would you consider yourself somebody that doesn't really feel like a pet? So it can also be sort of like a self-identification, even if uh, somebody does want power exchange. I know that that kind of gets it a little bit muddy, uh, but yeah, it's it's really a little bit of a self-identification thing as well. Um, but yeah, under the pet play umbrella and, you know, under the animal role play umbrella too, right? Yeah, depending on what kind of animal species you are, that sort of is its own thing. And the puppy play community specifically is so robust and does have its own sort of world in a way that mm -hmm. can, can be pet play and does go into the pet play world, but it can be a little bit of a Venn diagram too, because you'll see a lot of like puppy parties and like pup bar nights and that kind of stuff. And those are sort of their own community that has come out of uh, leather culture over time, which is part of the BDSM leather history. Uh, so there there are some kind of distinctions between the two within that too. Uh, Vixen, question for you. So now that we've talked about the different levels and dynamics, you don't have to say every list that's on that there is on the pet playlist, but what are some general pets that you'll might see? So um, obviously um, puppies, but something to be aware of. A lot of people find that they, they're just not just a generic puppy. Like I'm a puppy. They usually go more in depth than that. There's a lot of self-discovery when it goes into pet play in general. And mm -hmm. one of the aspects of that is what sort of breed are you? Okay, you're a dog because you, you these are the attributes you have. What type are you? Because upon finding their type, they're able to research more, figure out what more characteristics. So that's that goes that's a huge part of it. Um, along with that, you'll see a lot of um, kittens, a lot of foxes, um, and I feel those are some of the most typical ones. Um, also, um, ponies is another offshoot as well. I've been meeting a lot of bunnies lately. I got to be honest. Yeah, bunnies. Bunnies yeah. are definitely on the rise. <laughs> Telling you, hyenas are on the rise too. Been seeing that's true. More I, I'm seeing those, and I love it. Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of hyenas going around. So mm -hmm. basically, you could be any animal in pet play, is what I'm hearing. Absolutely, more Even than you, creatures. more than you think of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. We've met, we've met dinosaurs. 
yeah. dinosaurs, dragons. Mm-hmm. I know a unicorn. Um, met a met a deer. Yeah, I remember a that. A couple deer. times, actually. Oh yeah. I know assuming is never a good idea, but I'm going to ask the question. Hopefully, I don't shoot myself in the foot. Is it safe to assume when you when you are talking to someone and they tell you their pet? Um, you know, when I think of a hyena, I'm thinking of someone that's very like energetic, rambunctious. I'm getting a lot of ideas of what that person's pet might be like. And when I think of a deer, I think of more like calm and subtle, very, you know, pristine. Is it safe to assume that that person picked that animal because of those, because of those attributes? I love this question. Okay. You get to go yeah. first to answer that. Yes and no. <laughs> um, I think it's really fun to think about what we bring personally to our kind of preconceptions about different animals, right? So based on just sort of your personal associations with that animal, potentially like societal and cultural upbringing, like a lot of different factors. Uh, If you've known kittens or puppies like you've known cats and dogs like how like what kinds of cats and dogs you've met uh you might bring something really different to different animals so when somebody like will tell me what kind of pet they are and if I'm trying to get to know them better like to play or something like that then the next question that I will ask them is okay great what does that look like for you Mm. um because and here's a really good example um I'll use your hyena example actually So all of the attributes you said, as somebody with more of like a primal hyena space, none of those are true for me. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm a hyena, like when I'm kind of engaging in that energy, I am taking that from sort of the matriarchal butch power play that spotted hyenas have in the wild. Um, So and if you're not super familiar with that, so basically it is a matriarchal society where the lowest ranking like female hyena will be higher ranking than the highest ranking, like, you know, uh, male hyena. Uh, They're super aggressive. They're really testosterone full. They even have like a pseudo penis. It's a whole thing. Look it up. Great. That feels super good on my gender as a genderqueer person. Um, And it's actually kind of the only way I can really get in touch with my femininity from like an animalistic standpoint. So when I'm in that energetic space, I am like a totally butch dominant, like, but also kind of femme, like hyena femdom. So it's super different, right? Um, <laughs> another really good example is a wolf. I know people who think of a wolf and they think strong. They think like masculine, maybe. They think powerful. They think maybe even aloof or aggressive. And then I know people who are wolves who are like super playful and play in that way that is very similar to a rambunctious, energetic puppy. Um So it just depends on that person, right? Uh, And what they want to bring to it. It's really important to note too, you know, yes, um, attributing kind of your traits to a certain animal or a certain breed or a certain subset of a species is really awesome and great. And if you're like, wow, all the ways that I am are super aligned with like how a husky is, cool, I'm going to be a husky. But it's also totally valid to be like I don't know I just think huskies are really pretty and I may not really act like one but I like one and I want to be one because there aren't really any rules and we can make things up too so I think that that is helpful to like maybe give you a clue but I do also think that asking is important because you never know it could be something different for that person got it so you should never assume with your own 
with your own kind of predetermined of what that animal is like. You, you really have to ask the person before you make any assumptions. Vixen, I'll ask the question of, we were talking before the interview, you know, you, you have different personas on which I'll call dynamic you're feeling, right? You told me uh, kitten or alpha cat. So is, is that also true depending on which dynamic you're feeling, you may be feeling a different pet persona? Yes. Um, and for me, it also helps with my gear. Gear isn't a huge aspect that, or it is a huge aspect that goes into um, pet play as a whole, but it's not always required. Um, before um, I got my gear, I knew, um, I, I've, I've been to classes and did a lot of self-discovery figuring out of who my pet sides are, what my personas are. Um, so, but it absolutely depends. Um, for so I have a kitten side and I see that as like a um be like a between a six month kitten to like almost a year. So that range so super playful, super adorable, super fluffy, um, and loves to play, but is very vulnerable because of how um new to the world is. Um so that that's where what I go for for the kitten side, but the alpha cat um that's more of um a sadistic side it's uh but it also helps take care of other pets so how do you so it kind of sounds like if i went up to you if i saw you at an event i don't know what pet i'm going to experience without talking to you so how do you i i guess that's when the gear really comes into play right because you, you have to show off which and which pet you are currently personifying is that how you make that distinction at events? Is what gear you have on? Um, that that's it's one how that's something that helps me a lot is being able to to broadcast it with that. Um, my for example, um, my kitten side is, um, so it's lavender and dark purple. So I've got this huge tail, um, and I'm six two, and the tail hits the ground when it's at my waist. So it's massive and super fluffy. And then I've got ears to match it. Um, and then my alpha cat side, um, that's black. So the distinction is pretty, pretty simple upon viewing. Uh, Wiley, last question on the whole multitudes of someone's dynamics is how do you advertise that on social media? Like, do you pick, do you pick like one handle, but for the different variations of yourself? Or do you, or do you just like have 30 Twitters for, for the different, uh, dynamics that you have for the different pets that you have for yourself? Most people just have one. Um, I'm sure there are some people out there who have, you know, multiple social medias, but I think most people just kind of have one. Either they have sort of like one main animal that they identify with and they use that as their handle, but then sometimes talk about their other headspaces. That's definitely common. Um, or uh, some people use instead of perhaps saying like having kitten in the name or pup in the name of their social media handle, they might have pet, right? Mm. So you can do that too. But I typically see people either, yeah, like picking one or saying pet uh, and then kind of just you putting it all together more or less. If someone wanted to, so they listen to the podcast, they're like, okay, cool. Pet play. I want to give it a try. Where could they start? I mean, where do you, where do you start if you, if you, wanted to get into pet play more 
is choosing your pet persona first? Is that like where is that like where you should begin? So it, like like what you said, it, there's a lot of self journey that goes into it. Um, but as to it's like the fact that you figured out that you're a pet and you want to explore that, phenomenal, good job. Generally, because it, like um, it's it's hard because it's not one of the common. It's becoming more and more common, but it's not as anticipated um as like a lot of other types of um bdsm or role plays for that matter but it's becoming more and more um to as to where to start figuring out of who you are figuring out what what that looks like even to yourself with no gear involved doing um attending classes is a huge one. I know that that helped me a whole lot. Um, I went to a class once and there was some self-meditation that was um, guided and that was phenomenal and it helped me so much. It helped me visualize. It helped me figure out of what my um, different cat sides looked like. Um, but attend classes to have a better, uh, further the foundation of what um, you're looking for is huge. And being able to put yourself in that space, like, I am not alone, is amazing. Nice. Wiley, I'll ask the question of, so let's say, you know, they've jumped into pet play. They've now discovered their persona um, and maybe what dynamic they are. How could someone find a another pet or find a handler? What are some tips to getting another, finding a pet or finding a handler? Yeah. I mean, a, a little bit does depend on where you are. So it is true that there are bigger pet play communities in some cities as opposed to others. Um, so if you are fortunate enough to live in a bigger uh, city with a bigger BDSM or kink population, uh, then the next step is to go to events, right? And put yourself out there. So like if you're lucky enough to be in Los Angeles, come to one of our events, uh, that's kind of the main thing that our upcoming adoption day on the 11th is for too, which we can get into later. Um, but even if it's not that special event, you know, come out to events, put yourself out there in the community, start to meet people, make friends. Uh, and if you connect with somebody, then that's, that's what you're doing. You know, that's great. Uh, if you are not fortunate enough to, you know, live in an area where, there's a lot of community right at your fingertips, uh, then it. I will admit that it is a little bit harder, right? Um, there are a number of sort of online resources. So you can look at, there's different discords. I know we have a discord. Um, there's different telegram groups that you can find. Uh, Twitter and a little bit Instagram are, Twitter a little bit more just because there's more opportunity for connection and, you know, responding and going back and forth and it becomes a little bit more conversational just like as a platform as opposed to just like sort of commenting on posts um but you know finding virtual community is sort of your friend in that uh i'll mention fetlife but with the like asterisks that there are a lot of people on there that can be uh not the best let's just put it like that so i would say if you're going to fetlife that's a great resources resource mainly to find events in your area um but be wary of people that you meet on there 
Um, I'm not saying that you can't meet somebody of good quality on there. I met my mentors on there, but I would say that the majority of people are uh, maybe maybe just not the best, but you know, your mileage may vary. And if it's the only resource you have for now, it's the only resource you have for now. You can also find virtual events through FetLife now. Uh, ever since the pandemic and lockdown, they have a tab specifically for, you know, filtering for virtual events versus mm-hmm. in-person. So if you're finding that there are no in-person events in your area, you can look for virtual classes and like uh, at least once a year so far, we've been doing at least one kind of virtual meetup um at in january when we're taking a little bit of a break after the holidays so things things come up you know and i would start looking for virtual community and if you do have the ability to travel to a nearby big city then that's also a great way to go yeah and you have your pet adoption which is coming up february 11th saturday one to five um are pet adoption events common in the pet community because this is the first time i have ever heard of a pet adoption oh no event. i'm pretty so, sure that this is the first one that really i've seen anyway i mean i don't want to like i don't know vixen you can tell me if you've heard of another one but i'm pretty sure it's kind of an original idea or at least somewhat yeah i i haven't ever seen anything we uh, did our first one two years ago uh-huh um so we're i'm the only one like we're the only ones that i've seen ever having it um yeah. but we also uh, our foundation of creating so called creatures is a little it's a little different as well. So, okay, so let's uh, get in. Let's there's... get into that. If I wanted to have like an ex- a successful pet adopt, because if if you so say this is the first one, at least that you know of, what? How could I be successful at this pet adoption event? Like how? Like what? What? What should I prepare? Should I prepare questions to ask other people? <laughs> I mean, how? Like how do I? I oh, want to be successful. You. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. There's a whole this is a whole system, okay? Okay. Like this is not just show up and look for pets to adopt. This is like a whole thing. So I'll walk you through it. Okay. Walk <laughs> um, you through it. Yeah. And uh if you were going to our website and you went to our ticket page, we also have a link that like describes in detail how the adoption day event works because that's a really common question, right? Of like, okay, but like how do I And I get that, you know, totally. So here's how it works. There's the first step is we actually have an adoption form. So it's cute. It's like kind of like as if you were, you know, looking at like an adoption form for like an actual animal. Um, I based it off of that when I wrote it. It's it's cute. Uh, But it's also meant to be sort of a negotiation form to kind of help help people out and give you kind of like the questions. Okay, so it's going to ask for your pet name, your pronouns. Uh, we also have the option for people to be like a bonded pair if they want to like, you know, go up for adoption with a friend or another partner or anything. If you're good with puppies, good with cats and kittens, good with other types of animals, good with like kids. When I say that, I mean like littles and middles within a BDSM context. So all consenting adults. And so that's kind of asking what kind of animals are you interested in playing with? So like if you were a kitten who didn't feel comfortable necessarily engaging with a rambunctious puppy, then you would say no to puppies (laughs) and say you're not good with them. Uh, It says kind of like any sort of specific match you're looking for. So if there's a specific uh, gender that you feel most comfortable with, if you're only looking for queer people, if you're looking specifically for something rooted in service, if you're looking for a future dynamic versus casual, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's a bunch of other questions too that have to do with sort of like 
your interest in training, how, what your favorite activities are, limits, if you're interested in any like non-typical pet play BDSM activities like impact or bondage or anything like that or not, um, what treats and rewards you like, if you have any allergies, limits, safe words, any other like physical or psychological needs. Um, yeah, so all kinds of questions. And you have to fill that out in order to like go up for adoption. If you're interested in adopting a pet, we also now have you fill out a, a similar form as an adopter so that it's a little bit easier on our volunteers uh, when they're pairing people for like potential adoption. So it's kind of like a matchmaking pickup play event. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first step is filling out this long form. You okay. can do it for the event, in which case we put you on our website and it looks super cute, or you can do it at the actual event, which is also fine. Uh, after you've done that, yay, you are now eligible to participate in the adoption process fun. Uh, so at that point you have a couple options. Uh, we'll have all the different adoption forms out and you can look through them, right. And just see if anybody catches your eye, see if anybody looks like they might be a good fit for you. We have volunteers specific to the adoption area that are there to walk you through that and help you out. And kind of like, you know, if you're looking for somebody who, uh, I don't know, is looking to play with a pet who is also a little, as an example, Okay. The adoption volunteer can help you kind of like look through those forms and find somebody who is a pet who is also a little who like, you know, might work well with you if you're an adopter. Um, so you can look through. You can also just go play and hang out wherever you want in the event. And if somebody looks at your form and is interested in you, one of a, one of our volunteers will come get you. Uh, so that works, too. Once somebody has said, hey, I'm interested in adopting you. Adopting you means really just having a pickup play scene. Like it's a one-off scene. After that, you're done. Um, Or if you find somebody that you're interested in playing with and they say yes, then you go into like kind of the adoption process. So at that point, it's kind of like a meet and greet, but it's really just like a scene scene negotiation that's mediated by one of our volunteers. Um, So that's just kind of like the volunteer is there to help make sure that nothing's missed. And uh-huh. that the discussed scene is safe and like proper consent practices are being followed, et cetera. They're just there to kind of be a little helper and like ask all the right questions. So during that process, you're just going to negotiate your scene. Uh, if everything's feeling good, everything's seeming like it's going to be fun and consensual and happy, uh, then you'll be approved. Yay, go play. Um, and then after the scene and aftercare, you're done. If you want to stay with that person, that's totally your prerogative. If you'd like to go and adopt or be adopted again, that's awesome. Um, or if you just want to go do your own thing after that, that's great. But that's what the process is. Oh, my God. You thought of everything. And this hasn't been done before. I feel like this would like be so helpful. We are extremely thorough. <laughs> For every community. <laughs> I mean, in the whole time in my head, I was thinking I was like, God, I would love if the ABDL community had this for like how to find a mommy or daddy, like a mommy or daddy, but that would be weird. A mommy daddy adoption. Well, we home. actually initially wanted this to be a pets and littles thing. Um, but uh the age play groups that are in our area um felt that there weren't enough um like caregivers or any, or like at least like D types, I guess, like dominant types to Uh, really do it, which I thought was kind of a shame, you know? Um, 
But yeah, so they didn't feel that it would be worthwhile because they didn't think there would be enough dominant individuals who wanted to adopt. Uh Um, And there is a discrepancy. Obviously, there's a big there's way more uh, pets than handlers, typically, um, because pets look like it looks like a lot more fun, doesn't it? Um, (laughs) So there is a handler shortage, but we still have a lot of success in getting people adopted, in my opinion. And we also allow, you know, if you are a pet and you want to like adopt another pet to just go play, like that's fine. Um, If you're a little and you want to like adopt a pet, that's fine. Like that's super cute. That's a thing? A little can adopt a pet? totally. Absolutely. I mean, think about like the dynamic between a kid and their dog, right? I mean, as an example, right? So absolutely. I would love to see like a little like adopt a tiger. Like go off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's definitely lots of options, um, which I do think helps with our kind of handler deficit. Um, and we do have a number of handlers, but I do think that that helps as well, is that we let anybody adopt. I the di- uh, There was a dinosaur at the first adoption day who, uh, he was great. He just wanted to wrestle other animals. And so he would go through and look for anybody who was willing to wrestle him and he would adopt them and they would go wrestle and then he would go and find somebody else to wrestle with. And it was super cute and lovely. Uh, So that's fine, too, which I do think helps a little bit. It's really just about meeting people, having fun and and, you know, getting to maybe play with somebody that you otherwise would be too nervous to talk to. Let's say someone is listening to this and they knew they know of a few pets in the area and they wanted to create this pet adoption event what's one tip you can give another organizer well i mean here's here's kind of the basic thing we have all of this like this whole process i just lined out the form itself it's all on our website like you can find it um you can use it please credit us and you can use it but i i would like just you know to be credited for like the original creation but like as far as like so-called creatures being credited um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's it's free use as long as it's respectful and not also in Los Angeles, because that's kind of a that'd be kind of silly. But like, you know, as long as you're in another state or another like country or whatever, and you're, you know, crediting us and not like saying that it's your original creation, then like use it. And you said this isn't the first one. So how many have you done so far? I think three. Is that right? Yeah, this one will be our third one. What yeah. what makes a successful pet adoption event? Is it like trying to find as many different dynamics in one spot or like what makes a what makes a successful pet adoption event? Everyone having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the the pets being able to to walk away because that, that's so whenever Wiley and I have our matches, we always have a moment always it never fails to have a moment like, oh my god, it's so cute. I'm dying on the inside. I'm dying right now. It happens every time because people are just able to express themselves and enjoy themselves. And it's so beautiful to, that we were able to create such an environment that people are safe, they're happy, they're playful, and it's just so good. Yeah, and they're finding themselves and, and meeting people mm-hmm. and you can see like connections happening. Yeah, and as long as everyone's like having fun, playing with new people... And sort of, yeah, feeling safe and discovering themselves. I think that that's what matters. Nice. Last question, because it popped into my head. What about furries? Do, do furries get an invite? Do they get to come? Totally. I mean, like, 
there that's sort of a that's another kind of Venn diagram. So mm-hmm. furries can be can also be pet players, but furries are not necessary are not innately pet players, right? Mm-hmm. There is a lot of crossover within the communities. Um, so I know a number of pets who are also furries, but being a furry is not the same thing as being a pet player since pet play is sort of rooted in BDSM and furries are really rooted in more like anthropomorphic like fandom, right? It is, they're kind of different communities, but there is overlap. So if you are listening and you are a furry who is interested in pet play, heck yeah, come. Question that popped into my head is, you know, when I go to pup events, granted they're at gay bars. So I, of course I know that I'm going to find, you know, cis male gay gay men at the pup event at the gay bar but I, but now looking back i don't know a lot of female pups so is that where they all are are all the female pups at pet play events and all of the males are at are at gay pup nights is that what it boils down to well all right so if you just kind of google puppy play Uh or you go to your yeah your local pup night at a gay bar what you're going to typically see uh and this is starting to change but it the change is slow and there's still a lot of work to do and in communities outside of la i would say it is not changing as much as i wish um but what you're gonna mainly see is yeah uh gay men um typically white gay men um And that is sort of the demographic that when people are Googling it, uh, that's what they see. And so a lot of times people who do not necessarily fit that demographic for a variety of reasons, including like femme identified pups and femme identified pets, but not only that, um, don't see themselves as being welcome in that kind of community. Um, Now, again, in L.A., there is some change being made on that front. Um, in a lot of ways. And I'm very proud of our local communities for being part of that change to welcome different types of people and different types of puppies into puppy play and into those communities. So I like, I want to say that. Um, however, that is why SoCal Creatures exists is because I know that the first puppy I had who um, was a woman, she didn't feel that she could go to any puppy events right Mm -hmm. uh and i unfortunately did not make soul call creatures in time before um we unfortunately split um but the next puppy i had felt kind of similarly and didn't really have a space and i personally as a handler didn't have a space because when i would walk into these spaces um especially when i was first starting out before things were really even making any progress here in la in my opinion I would end up in just a sea of men who wouldn't give me a second glance because I do not identify that way. Um, And so I wanted something different. And I know Vixen felt similarly in her own ways, which I'm sure she can speak to if she wants to. Uh, But yeah, and again, waves are being made, but that is why we need more communities that are more inclusive and show different representations of what it means to be a pet and what it means to be a puppy and shows that, you know, anybody can be, right? Any background, any ethnicity, any gender, any sexuality, it doesn't matter. You can be, and we just need to see more of that representation. 
And a lot of times when you are talking about, okay, I want to see different types of pets represented, you also end up wanting to see like different species of animal represented. And so I think that's why you might feel that perhaps in more pet play spaces, you might see more diversity because there just kind of is more diversity. Um, But again, we are doing work in that realm, but there is still work to be done. Dixon, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So um, that, so that concept is absolutely the foundation of why we built SoCal Creatures because Wyla and I both felt that we were the odd ones out, that we, there wasn't a space for us um, as a, as a um, kitten and an alpha cat. Like I would go there like, okay, I don't see who I can play with. Like um, a lot, a lot of the places that were there before SoCal Creatures were just a bunch of gay spaces and I'd go there like, okay, so how can I interact? And no one would know how to um, in- engage with a, with a kitten. I was like, well, what do you mean? One of the first places I felt welcomed was um, at one of the BDSM conferences. Um, it was in Colorado to where we just had a, gr- there was just a group of us playing on mats um, and we'd be able to communicate uh, non-verbally, which is a huge communication when it comes to pet play as a whole. Because you can get yourself out of headspace of talking. So being able to um, drop down on all fours, put your shoulders to, to the ground with your butt in the air and start wiggling and making eye contact, that's a form of mm-hmm. playing. Um, if someone, if the other person is able to do the same thing and then you're able to jump and then you roll a ball to each other, that's, that, that's what a lot of pets want to have that level of engagement. But there just wasn't a lot of that. Um, in the common uh, pup spaces, um, a lot of it, um, as Wiley mentioned earlier, was um, a lot of just the aesthetic, which is great and fantastic. If that's what you want, beautiful. But that's not what I was looking for. I wanted to have that engagement. I wanted to have that playfulness. I wanted to um, be able to explore further and what that looks like. I've had my tail pulled before it's not great like any other cat you don't want mm-hmm. that but it, but that's what that's what happens or like having a little just like oh fluffy kitty like it's freaking cute it's really cute um but there, there wasn't much of that there wasn't hardly any of that outside of the big conferences and the conferences have it to where people from all over internationally and then also domestically come to that event be able to learn and have those engagements but it's also expensive so it also goes into that as well but Wiley and I wanted to create a space where we would feel welcome so our past selves would be able to go there like wow this is amazing I love this I want to be able to explore myself and others because of this and that's and that's what we did with SoCal Creatures to where um, now it's that's why we call it SoCal Creatures and not just SoCal Pets not SoCal Pup Play because we wanted more than that because we wanted others to be able to explore themselves. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm hoping your pet adoption event inspires others. Cause I think this is just a super cool idea. It's super inclusive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are best. Well, thank you, Vixen and Wiley for coming to Newsy's Nook, explaining pet play and talking about your pet adoption event. Yeah. Thank you again Absolutely. for having us. This is so fun. Hey. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye.
Again, the pet adoption event is on Saturday, February 11th at Threshold in the Los Angeles area from 1 to 5 p.m. If you're interested in signing up, I will have a link in the show notes. All right, kiddos, I got to go put on my diaper and Cupid outfit. See ya. Bye. Bye.